Welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode and every episode by my co-hosts. Whitney, she answers to that name. Yes, she does. <laughs> I, was, I know it was a weird delivery, but I just love that line. <laughs> That's me. I'm Whitney. Hello. <laughs> and he is not of a very melancholy disposition. Evan Wells. No, he's not. No, he isn't. <laughs> Hashtag... Keanu Sans. Mm. Hashtag Keanu Hashtag Keanu Reeves, tiny John Wick icon. Okay. <laughs> he is everywhere you look. It's it's unbelievable. Just this okay, so let's start by saying we're about a week out from Toy Story 4. We've gotten some behind the scenes stuff of him in the like recording booth being mm-hmm. delightful. Being as delightful. Expected. Yes. Correct. <laughs> And just this week, the week of E3, we find out that he is now a major character in a a brand new franchise from a beloved studio, CD Projekt Red, a project called Cyberpunk 2077. And he actually came out to like introduce it on stage. He was so charming and genuine when he introduced it. He was like, guys, gotta let me get through this presentation so that you can see what it's like. Yeah, he uh, uh, he was called uh, breathtaking at one point, and it, mm-hmm. he does not know how to take a compliment. He gets all awkward and turns it around on He's the like, person. You're breathtaking, <laughs> right? right. Almost yeah. like slinging insults. It's hilarious. I recommend checking He's it out. So it great. Was, we it are was very, at the Microsoft. Yeah, very excited about video games with Keanu Reeves in them because there's going to be a John Wick video game, and now there's Cyberpunk 2077. So maybe we've got some bonus episodes in the works or something. Oh, we've got some those. crossover with yeah. about silence, or yeah. I, I yeah. mean, we got to figure something out. There's I, some yes. synergy. <laughs> yes, there's synergy <laughs> for sure. Oh, so we are here. We are talking about much ado about nothing. And we've actually moved into another year of Keanu's career. So we're going to talk about 1993. We have three Keanu films this year. Again, the dude works a lot. Mm-hmm. Here are some things that were happening in 1993. Again, I cherry picked this stuff. A lot of it's dumb, but that's it. if you think it's dumb, it's because I picked it. So you can blame me. Here we go. The uh, Got Milk campaign launched. Right? Wow. Okay. That was uh that was huge for me. Oh, yeah. This was the year actually on a on a little bit of a downer note. This was the year we lost River Phoenix, uh who we had just discussed two episodes ago uh, in my own private Idaho. Uh so this was this kind of had a, a big impact on his life. Uh, he mentions that numerous times. Uh bring it back up. Uh, there was an incredible snowstorm on the east coast of the United States in 1993. I had a full week off of school. I'm sure probably both of you did, too. It was great. That was the, oh, well, like, I was in Los Angeles. Oh, oh damn it. That was like the three-footer, right? Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, I remember I didn't I was move jumping out here off till walls. 2009. Uh, oh. You missed it. I remember jumping off of uh, monkey bars into a snowdrift. <laughs> right. It was perfect. Like, You're like, I'm stuck now. Yeah, I live here now. It was great. <laughs> uh, speaking of video games, uh, Doom and Myst were both released this year for MS-DOS. To give you a little bit of perspective, we're going to get into some weird computery, science fiction-y Keanu stuff soon. So it's good Very to know soon. where we yeah. stand on this. <laughs> and in 
And uh, Nelson Mandela was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, Nobel Peace Prize in 1993. Also very noble. So, <laughs> noble and Nobel. So both. I, I have to say, Mist was like a... Uh, was like a cornerstone of my household. Is that right? It, it, it was played all the time for a, a large chunk of, of time. And it was so difficult and so great. <laughs> it's weird that, again, everything's cyclical. Doom is back mm -hmm. uh, in a big way. And I believe they've just announced a remake of Myst or a remaster or something for Nintendo Switch. So you can... Play it on the go, yeah. which is crazy. It's I, crazy. I downloaded the old version recently and just tried to dive back in, and I was like, "Nope, this is." <laughs> I can still hear that gentle clanking. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. In the back of in the background, anytime that anyone starts talking about mist, I like my brain immediately conjures up that sound, and I hear it clanking in the background. It should be like a sleep sound on one of those clock it, radios. I'm sure it is. I bet someone did it. <laughs> you can fall asleep. To the sounds of the Star Trek Enterprise bridge, like the oh, NCC cool. 1701D bridge, and it loops oh, yeah. for like 10 hours. That's so I, I guarantee you someone's done the mist sound. Yeah. It's gotta be. Oh, yeah. So 1993 was a hell of a year for film. Mm. I'm going to be honest with both of you, as you could probably see in the notes here. I'm going to run down these really quickly. Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Dazed and Confused, Tombstone, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Sandlot, True Romance, Demolition Man, The Firm, The Fugitive, Last Action Hero, Groundhog Day, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Unforgiven, which was our Best Picture winner in 1993. Amazing. What a crazy year. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Uh, okay, pick one. Andrew? Uh, probably going to go Groundhog Day on this one. Bill Murray. Oh, boy. Yeah. This, is, this is a real Sophie's choice for me, because <laughs> Groundhog Day... Is amazing, mm -hmm. yeah. but also the Sandlot. Oh yeah, true. The true. Sandlot is one of my all-time favorite movies. So having to pick between Groundhog Day and the Sandlot is cruel and unusual. Would you say it's killing you, Smalls? Oh, it's God. killing me, Smalls. <laughs> oh! uh, I'm I'm gonna go Nightmare Before Christmas. Nice. I can't All get right. enough of that soundtrack. It's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, what's his name? Oh my God. Uh, um. Uh, wow, Danny Elfman. Elfman. Yeah, there you go. We're both like, oh, please don't fuck, please don't fuck this up. Not, not, on, not on tape. All right. Uh, and then what was popular on TV? These were actually shows that all premiered in 1993. I verified this. Uh, the X-Files, Frasier, Deep Space Nine, The Nanny, Boy Meets World, NYPD Blue, Living Single. I loved that show as a kid, even though I probably didn't fully understand everything that was going on in it. Living and Single? Then, yeah. Living Single is, and I'm, this is a hot take alert, uh, Living Single is the best sitcom that there is. Wow. I feel like if I revisit it, I probably would agree. I like the it. classic three camera sitcom. Like I'm not comparing things like Parks and Rec or The Good Place because those are very different. But like when you're talking yeah. three camera in a studio sitcom, by far the best one. Hmm. Strong words. Might be mm -hmm. worth a revisit. Might be mm -hmm. worth doing a podcast about. I, also I the X Files. <laughs> also yeah. the X Files. Also Anderson. Unbelievable. Also Animaniacs, which you didn't get to, but amazing. I know. Mm -hmm. Animaniacs. Steven Spielberg was overseeing that project, which who, who does that for cartoons anymore? <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's so stupid. Yeah. Okay. The 90s were weird, man. <laughs> I have 
Uh, one bit of housekeeping from the last episode, and this uh, involves pop quiz. Mm. Uh, I miscalculated the points uh, last time. You each had one more point than I gave you. Thank God. So, <laughs> I mean, actually, Ev, for you, it's great. Now we are tied. It's bad for me, but good for you. Yes. Whitney has 26 points oh. because Whitney uh, got five <laughs> last time and Evan got three. So there you go. Whitney crushed it with that Simpsons and the follow-up and the bonus question. It was, like, unbelievable. <laughs> so there we go. To the matter at hand. The matter at hand. Today we're talking about the film Much Ado About Nothing. It's very exciting. Forget everything you've ever known about adventure, romance, betrayal, and comedy, and discover it all over again. From Kenneth Branagh, the director of Henry V and Dead Again, William Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. All women shall pardon me. I will live a bachelor. A dear happiness to women. <laughs> She's the sweetest lady that ever I looked on. Can the world buy such a jewel? The plot synopsis from IMDb is, young lovers Hero and Claudio, soon to wed, conspire to get verbal sparring partners and confirmed sing singles, Benedict and Beatrice, to wed as well. It was written originally by this guy named William Shakespeare <laughs> and directed with an adapted screenplay by Kenneth Branagh. And rounding out this very impressive cast, this bunch of people you're going to recognize, Richard Briers, Kate Beckinsale, Emma Thompson, Denzel Washington, Kenneth Branagh himself, Robert Sean Leonard, and Michael Keaton so shows up and just mm -hmm. does Michael Keaton. Yeah, he just Michael Keaton's all over the place and then he leaves again. It's so good. All yeah. Right, we'll save it. Critical and audience reception. I'll let Whitney take this away. I think, I assume that this probably met what you were thinking, but I'll let you verify. Yeah, no, this is this is pretty close to what I was expecting. 90% certified fresh from the critics. Definitely expected a high critical score. Uh, on this one because it's a killer cast it's very well directed it definitely like we had kind of talked about earlier it does not change any of the words it's you know Shakespeare's words but it the way that everyone delivers it it it's not like you have to parse what's happening the 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 syntax or the sentence structure or anything like that where some more dramatic stuff you're you have to know what you're getting into going on or just kind of assume from what's being said like pick out the things you know this yeah. one everything comes across so clearly because of the way that it's directed or whatever so I definitely expected a 95 a 90% certified fresh and I actually remember this at the time it did way, way better in the box office than anybody thought it was going to. So 86% audience score is maybe a little bit higher than I would have guessed just because it's Shakespeare. I would have assumed a, a little bit of a like barrier to entry for people, but 86% audience score, that makes sense for me too. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, I was feeling that. I was like, I, I try not to check this beforehand. <laughs> and I, yeah. after I watched it, I was like, oh, these are going to be high numbers. I'm not sure how high. It's like, they're going to be much higher than what we have been uh, <laughs> yeah. exposed to. So, 
Yeah. I pulled uh, two quotes here, critic and user as normal. Owen Gleiberman at Entertainment Weekly wrote, Brana has found his way to the play's profound yet populist heart, rediscovering Shakespeare's vision of romantic fulfillment, celebration with an underlying tug of sadness for an era that believes itself all too wise to the ways of love. Mm. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I pulled this one because it was the it was one it was among the first you see Christian C, uh, I'm not sure he or she, four and a half stars wrote really a good heartwarming story as usual, as usual. Keanu Reeves is awful. <laughs> if you can't do an English accent, don't try. Thankfully, Keanu's role is minimal. Unbelievable, oh, Christian! What no. the? <laughs> Come on, Christian! Uh, was he even doing an English accent in this movie? I just thought he was talking. No, yeah. he wasn't. Okay. No one, no one did an accent in this movie. I mean, it was it was like speaking proper, but not necessarily with an accent. You know, there's a difference yeah. there. Considering <laughs> that we have heard Keanu Reeves try to do an accent <laughs> right. multiple times now <laughs> right. and fail, I can tell you with certainty yes. he was yeah. not doing any accent. Yeah. I know exactly. We would know <laughs> if he were doing an accent. I lo- I just I, that made me like, as usual. Keanu Reeves is awful. As usual, what a <laughs> I hater! Lost it. True, true hater. So that was great. Well, I mean, good Keanu has been few and far between thus far in his career. Um, he's either been too small, or the movie's been terrible, or whatever. Like th- we've had some good stuff, but this is something that uh, went around the internet—a meme about Keanu. In 1999, people saying, I'm not going to go see The Matrix. I hate that guy. He's a terrible actor. And then in 2019, they're like, I would literally lay down and die for Keanu Reeves. And I would kill you and all of your family just to protect him because he's a national treasure. Nice. And uh, yeah. And I think that that's how it went for a lot of people. I always liked Keanu Reeves. I never didn't like him. Um, I never... There's a lot of stuff that I didn't see of his. He definitely had a more of a stereotype for me in my head for a long time, up until John Wick, of like who Keanu was. But I, uh, I definitely think he had he did not have a great reputation as an actor for a very long time. No, it's true. So so weird. It so is so weird. weird. We'll find out. I just don't know if he deserved all the flack that he got over the years. So yeah. far, I wouldn't like. Based on everything we've seen, we are what is this? Nineteen episodes in now. I've seen some things that were bad, but I've seen mm-hmm. some things that were good to yeah. great. And yeah, it's like, no, I mean, he's most actors. His chops have been out there. Like, we've seen them. Like, we've seen really good acting with depth from him. So it's yeah. not like everything he was doing was shallow or everything he was doing was Bill and Ted. And so people were like, oh, that idiot with the Bill and Ted stuff or whatever. It was yeah. just, he's had some bad stuff, but he's also had some great stuff already. So it's true. Well, I'm excited to talk through this and see where both of you fall on it. So I guess we can get right into it. I think we should start with someone other than me this time. Oh, snap. Because I feel like I start a lot because I always come in with a lot of thoughts and feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I can jump in. I I really, really enjoyed it, actually. Good. I have a little bit of a soft spot um, for, for Shakespeare. I read a lot of it in college. I still read it. I I just think it's great. And I like to see how people try to make it more um, approachable, I guess, is is the word, you know, mm-hmm. making these movies. And, and we, we talked about it before a little like Romeo and Juliet and making these movies in an effort to kind of keep it fresh and, and keep it uh, on the front of people's minds is always exciting for me. And then 
inevitably when you watch these things where they are using exact lines from Shakespeare, it's a little bit of a, a of an exercise of the mind too, because you you have to kind of focus on what's being said and and how the words are being put together and just that Shakespearean approach to writing that um, really makes you kind of lock in and, and figure out what they're saying and, and, and all those things. So mm-hmm. the, the pacing and, and the plot and obviously, I mean, it's, it's Shakespeare, like, come on. We're, it's, <laughs> and, and that's going to be great. Um, the, it was, it was really hard to, for me, and, and we'll get to this a little bit more later, but I always find myself expecting the worst in Shakespeare. This, he, he has a way of doing that, right? He has a way of... Well, yeah, he's definitely known for his tragedies. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I, I'm sitting there having not read this in a long time. Like, oh my God, where is it? Where's the other shoe going to drop? Um, so that was also kind of exciting. Uh, as for Keanu, not not great. Um, not, <laughs> not top marks. <laughs> not top marks for him, but uh, I think... I do think he was casted correctly i just don't think that he put um a whole lot into it and maybe i mean he didn't really have that much he didn't have a ton of screen time but um i I just uh, something was lacking and and maybe that was on purpose by him to be ominous and kind of detracted but i i found myself like wanting a little bit more from him but otherwise it it was it was very enjoyable i i liked it a lot Nice. Andrew? So, <clears throat> I was a little hesitant going into this, because on the last episode, we talked about uh, adapted Shakespeare, something like 10 Things I Hate About You, mm-hmm. versus actual Shakespeare, which was more in line with Romeo and Juliet, like Evan mentioned. The fact that you have to really focus sometimes to really get the gist of what he's trying to get across feels a little daunting at times to me, mm-hmm. right? I did not experience that with this movie at all. Mm-hmm. I sat down with it, mm-hmm. and from the word go, I was smiling the entire time. This yeah. movie just made me happy to watch. I was like, everyone yeah. is the best. Yeah. Even when Keanu was on screen being villainous, right? I was like, yeah. I'm all about what is happening here. I think easily... I'm almost certain that Whitney mentioned this at the end of our last episode. Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson steal this movie. It is mm-hmm. unbelievable. The chemistry they have, how fun they are to watch, how vibrant they both appear to be. Yeah. Uh, everything about their interactions was amazing. Yes. Agreed. There's a there's a incredible amount of like joie de vivre in this movie. Like it's mm. just so lighthearted and full of life and full of charm and there's definitely some things that you know like i said i watch this movie about once a year usually it like it's always and it always ends up being like a sick day movie or something like that um and i'm not a huge fan of shakespeare i have done a lot of shakespeare stuff i was actually in a shakespeare company when i was a teenager as like a stagehand and a whatever um So I'm very familiar with Shakespeare, but I've always found, like, I'm not super into the tragedies, which is uh, the bulk of Shakespeare's best work. So uh, I've never been a huge Shakespeare fan, but I just think there's something so cheery and so joyful about this movie 
with the casting and the way it was shot and the and the the countryside that they used to tell the story and the costumes and just literally everything works together so well to just be like a really fun ride. I always mm -hmm. equate it in my head, even though they're nothing alike, with The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. <laughs> like you put it on what? when you just want like a feel good, fun, actiony movie. This okay. is like the romance version of that. I could see that. I could totally see that. You're right about the the same mood you get when you watch both of the this and the mummy. I feel the yeah. same way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and obviously the technical work in this is a little bit some of it's a pretty standard because it's Shakespeare stuff and you're it's you're filming a play. I think Ken, Kenneth Branagh does a very good job of trying to bring in as much visual diversity considering you're filming a play. Um yes. Like he does a very good job of making it feel more dynamic and, and having people coming in of places and out of places that aren't just like this person enters and this person leaves, which it's always hard when you're filming any play to make it not seem like it's a play being filmed. And I think he does a really good job of that. The The editing's great. The um, just I think everything technically is very, very well done. And he does as much as he can to bring interest to the to the shots as he can. Or it's still sort of being a, you know, lock off the camera and walk away kind of a thing. I agree. I wanted to make note of two things. So there, what you had mentioned, the blocking of some scenes is is incredibly well done. It's almost like, like a dance in some parts yes. where he has people so that the camera can move more. When he when they are hatching the plan to get mm -hmm. um Beatrice and Benedict to fall in love. And so it's the guys mm -hmm. and you see Benedict running between the hedges in the background, appearing like mm -hmm. over each one of their shoulders. I was like, incredible work, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Set everything there. And then I don't know if the two of you noticed, I, I, I mean, I certainly did. The last scene of the movie is like a 90 second one shot, right? Yeah. The camera never cuts and yeah. it goes up onto a crane. And it was like, Every time those happen, I'm like, that's incredible. I right. watched it again. No cuts, no trickery. It's just, it was magic to watch that part. Everyone's celebrating. You have to imagine, right, that, that that's tough to choreograph. There are literally, I don't know, a hundred people that need to be in the right spot doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And they nailed it. It was great. Uh, I think I'm probably with the two of you that Keanu was... He, he, this is another, this is not a Keanu Reeves movie, right? This is, <laughs> he happens to be in it. And uh, I thought he was, you know, this was a very middling, they didn't, it, it wasn't like a very meaty role, but then again, I don't think he really brought a lot to it. It's tough to say negative things, but you know, it wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really difficult because for me, I watched, I was, Denzel is a presence clearly also oh, whenever he's on screen for sure and you're you watch him deliver the lines and it's not like Denzel memorized the lines better or anything right but the way he seems to like interact with the the settings and the people around him while delivering the lines it just felt so much more natural so that's it's it's really tough when you have somewhat like a powerhouse like that. And even Kenneth Branagh, who's clearly been doing this his whole life, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think Keanu did admirably. That's what I would that's what I would sum it up as. Not as usual, Keanu Reeves is awful. I think he did <laughs> he did an adequate job. 
<laughs> with the part that he was given. That's what I'll say. Well, I will also say this is a impossible role to fill in a movie because this character has no arc, no anything. He comes in moody. He's moody the whole time. Then he's like, I'm going to fuck shit up for no reason. And then he leaves. And like, it's it's very, very hard to do that and carry any kind of like weight and and try and bring anything to it because that's not what this is about. You know, right. like this is about it works when it's a play and the focus is on other things. But when it's Keanu Reeves and when it's a movie, you realize how little this character has to do. And you have to play being a broody, like, villain who is a villain just because he's tired of everyone around him being happy. And so he's just like, I'm going to come in here and, like, dick around (laughs) until people aren't happy anymore. Like, that's a hard role to do. And he does it. And he's the only antagonist in the... He's the... Everything else in this movie is a force of good and happiness and positivity, gen- generally. Yeah. And he has to come in and play the exact opposite. And I imagine that takes a toll. Like, man, I wish I could just smile here, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So we mentioned it earlier. It just, it's worth noting how good Michael Keaton is. Yes. When he's on screen, you're like, oh, he's, he does manic incredibly well he's got crazy eyes when he needs when he needs crazy eyes he's got them and he was so good in this role as the constable or whatever you know whatever he was there it was great yeah and Mm -hmm. i I actually kind of thought of him as like the original jack sparrow (laughs) all right i can see that kind of uh yeah like a bumbling uh got a lot of big movements right exactly (sighs) yeah I also enjoy the music. I, 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 can, I can speak super positively about this movie for a long, long time. I thought the musical cues were also really, really well done. from Right from the get. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's what I got. I don't know if we have anything else. I, I, you know, Again, I could talk for a long time about this movie. No, I think we've covered everything that I have to say about it. I'm just I'm just glad that you guys liked it so much, being that it's one of my favorite movies. This is the first one that we've watched that I'm like, Yes, I love this one. Everything <laughs> else, even if I've seen it before, I'm like, yeah, I've seen it, but I don't even really remember. It was so long ago or whatever. This one is like, I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. I watch it all the time. So I'm just happy that you guys liked it that much, too. I am super interested where this one will fall. And we'll get there. But, mm-hmm. oh, man, I, 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 have, I have a good feeling, at least for my list. So mm-hmm. <laughs> is it time? I think it's time. It's time. Oh my God. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! She got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Pop Quiz Asshole is our little trivia game here on the show where the host, in this case Whitney, will be asking Evan and I each three questions with the potential for a bonus question. If at any point I or Evan get our question wrong, the other person has a chance to steal. Uh, (laughs) Just to get it out there once again, (laughs) Whitney has 26 points, Mm -hmm. and Evan and I each have nine. Killing it. So... Mm We're back to that old, uh, even if you add our points together, it does not, (laughs) 
It's it's pretty bad. We need to we need to do something here, Ev. Come back, kid. Gotta make some moves. <laughs> <laughs> so Whitney gets to choose who goes first. She tells us if the answers are right or wrong, and I'll let her take it away. Yeah. All right. Um, I think Evan. Mm. You're going first. I'm ready. Okay. Three Harry Potter professors have roles in this movie. Kenneth Branagh was Gilderoy Lockhart. Emma Thompson was Sybil Trelawney. Imelda Staunton is the third. Which character in the Harry Potter movies does she play? Your choices are Dolores Umbridge, Pomona Sprout, or Phileas Flitwick. Oh my god. Kind of wish I would have paid closer attention to Harry Potter. <laughs> um, oh my armus. That movie was so lost on me. Um, Rude! I know it is. Um, oh yeah, this is this is gonna be a shot in the dark. I'm gonna go with B. Pomona Sprout. Sure. What were the what were the other names again? I'm sorry. Dolores Umbridge, Phileas Flitwick. It was her. The first one. She was the mean lady. She is the mean lady. Nailed it. Nailed it. She's the mean lady. Uh, I didn't want to get, yeah. I didn't want to say the name wrong, but that was her. All right. Woo! Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. We hit double digits. Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew. Whose first movie is this? Kate Beckinsale? Richard Briers or Sean Robert Sean Leonard. Oh, <gasps> mm. damn. <Wow>. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to immediately rule one out because when I do that, I get it wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> as we all learned on Dracula, except when you get it uh, right. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm leaning towards. I'm leaning towards Kate Beckinsale. She was really young in this, but also Robert Sean Leonard. But I don't think it's him. I have. Mm, I'm gonna go Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. Two. She shot this movie during her summer break break at Oxford. Oh. Whoa. Fancy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy. All right, Evan. Hmm. This is one of two films in the early 90s that starred Kenneth Branagh and Robert Sean Leonard. Which Ooh. is the other film? No. Is it Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Swing Kids, or Hamlet? Oh, oh boy. Robert Sean Leonard. That's the only one I'm going to be able to picture. Um... <laughs> Stay in the same arena and say Hamlet. That is incorrect. Of course it is. <laughs> Andrew? Come on, have more faith in yourself. Mm. I'm glad that you said that because I was going to go Hamlet. Oh, cool. So, Great. Uh, <laughs> thanks for evening it up for me. It was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and what was the other? Swing Kids. Ooh. God, Swing Kids. Uh, I'm going Frankenstein. It was Swing Kids. Ah. Damn it! No one gets that point. Nope. All right. Fair. Gone. All right. Andrew, this 
Oscar bait movie. It has a cast that <laughs> has two Oscar winners, Emma Thompson and Denzel Washington, and three Oscar nominees, Michael Keaton, Imelda Staunton, and Kenneth Branagh. How many no- nominations did the movie get? Ooh. Oh, uh, how many <laughs> nominations did it get? Fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to... Total nominations. I do have multiple choice. I, w- I wanted to see if you would just guess, but I do have multiple choice if you want. <laughs> wow, that's savage. All right. Like, give me that sweet, sweet multiple choice. Yeah. <laughs> One, four, or zero. Ooh, tricky. God, this out of order number business. You two, it's unbelievable. I'm, I know that this was Oscar B. I'm going to go with one. Damn it. All right. Well, if it's Oscar bait, that would imply four. So I'm going to say. Is that your answer? I'm going to say four. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. I knew that it's Oscar bait, but that doesn't always mean it gets nominated. (laughs) They pushed so hard when I was looking at like trivia and facts and stuff. They were. This is one of the biggest campaigns for Oscar nomination that a movie's ever had and not receive any Oscar nominations. Damn. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. I thought so, too. That's why I had to figure out how to make it into a question, because I was like, considering the cast, considering that it was a, like, box office success, which Shakespeare very rarely is. Yeah. um, Like, it's wild that it didn't get any nominations at all, not one. Hmm. I mean, even for the stuff that you would think like that, like a period piece, obviously, like usually costume, right? Like wardrobe, that sort of thing. It's almost guaranteed. And there's very good in this movie, too. Oh, man, that is almost Mm -hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. Crazy. All right, Evan. Yeah. Two of the people in this were married during the filming of the movie. Who was it? What? You do not have multiple choice. Oh, of course. It wouldn't matter. Um... (laughs) Uh, married, married, married. You need to get both of them, right? Mm-hmm. Damn. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> There's no partial credit. We don't get half points. Um. Oh my God, I have no earthly idea. Um. Jeez. I'm looking at the cast like it's gonna help. Um. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to say Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh, because it would be fun. Shut up. Whoa! (laughs) He did it! Oh, my God, yes! That is correct. (laughs) Holy shit! Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson were married while they were filming this movie. That's incredible. Wow. Well, that make that explains a lot of what was happening on screen. <laughs> they then, have since truly. they have since divorced. Okay, oh, but, but while still. this movie was going on, they were together. Oof. Look at you, Ev! What Holy a guess! Smokes. Holy sh! <laughs> he did it! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was great! I'll be able to sleep tonight. Yeah, MVP crushed it, Andrew. All right, Kenneth Branagh has directed two people who have played Batman, <gasps> Michael oh, Keaton man. in this movie. Who is the other? I'll, I do have multiple choice. Okay. Christian Bale and Henry V, Val Kilmer in The Island of Dr. Moreau, or Adam West in Drop Dead Gorgeous. 
Oh, god damn it. Oh, man, that's cool. <sighs> okay. I thought he was going to get off easy when you said Batman, but nope. <laughs> right. This is not <laughs> Batman related. No, it is. It really, truly is Batman related. Um, God, what a good question. Thank you. Uh, I was yeah. very proud of writing it. <laughs> yeah. Shit. I'm... I'm going to go Christian Bale, Henry V. Ah. Yes! All right. I knows my Batman. All right. So the the (laughs) bonus question for two points. Oh, boy. Is how many other Shakespeare movies has Kenneth Branagh made? (laughs) It's impossible to know. Three. Oh. Damn it. I got hasty. It's, oh man. All right. Hold up. Two, three, four. Man, four that I know of, but I'm not. Ah, I feel like it's more. Ah, Five. Come on. (laughs) He did it. Uh. Oh my God, I'm taking it. The other five are Henry V, Othello, Hamlet, Love's Labor's Lost, and As You Like It. Come on. Whoa. I did not know uh, those last, that last one. I don't even As know if like I've it. heard of yeah. that. Sounds like yeah. a movie marathon to me. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was... America's favorite game, ladies and gentlemen. We did it. Oh, man. The points are as such. Guess what, Ev? Guess what? Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> are we still, we, even add it together, we're still not even there. Whitney continues to have 26. Evan, now double digits too, with 10. I have 14. Uh, God, I suck. It's a, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, slowly but surely, we'll crawl our way up. But uh, Whitney's up next week. It's going to be, it's all, it's all over. It's fine. I admit defeat. Here we go. <laughs> I think we can get into this now. Whitney's going to be leading the discussion. So take us away. All right. So the movie starts in a peaceful Italian countryside with people having a relaxing picnic with like music and painting and games. And Emma Thompson is reading poetry. Uh, and then a writer comes up and we hear that Don Pedro, the Prince of Medina, his resentful brother, Don John, and the nobleman, Claudio and Benedict, all of these people are very well-loved by this town, but they're all re- returning from war. Successful at war and ready for merriment and love. Claudio has been notably more prolific in war than his age would suggest. Uh, and we find out a little bit that, like, Hero, played by Kate Beckinsale, is in love with him. She's very clearly, like, she asks how he's doing. And when she hears that he did himself proud for his age... No one thought he would do this well in war. She's clearly very, like, giggly about it. And we also learn here that Beatrice and Senior Benedict bicker like cats and dogs, and they have this sort of frenemy <laughs> love-hate thing going on. Um, and then we see the whole town running back to meet the war heroes at the villa, and there's a whole getting ready for a celebration of triumphant returns montage with a lot of butts in the shower scenes. <laughs> Shared bathing. On both sides. 
Yeah. A lot of butts. Um, there, a lot of butts. Ultimate, like, uh, hero shot, though. Slow-mo, horseback, you know, V formation, just a bunch of men riding into town. That was, that yeah. was intense. They all do the fist pump in the air, too. It's yeah. like, yeah. 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 And, and you see Denzel, and it's like, we're in it now. This is, mm-hmm. this is real. Just smiles. You're like, uh, I'm in. <laughs> so they all get washed up and showered and ready to party. And then they meet in the, like, I don't know, entryway of the villa and say hello to one another. We find out they're going to stay at the villa for at least a month. And everyone's saying hello and hugging and whatever. And, oh, they're, you know, you're always welcome to stay here, Prince Denzel, anytime you want. And everyone's happy. And then there's sort of a hush that falls over the crowd as everyone turns to look at Keanu moping in the corner. Mm. And the host of the villa says, let's be reconciled, even though you're a bastard. I owe you a debt of gratitude. And Keanu sort of broods and says he's a man of little words and then... That's kind of it. And then everyone goes off to make Mary. <laughs> yep. And Claudio is there, um, and he's talking that, about being in love with Hero, and he wants everyone to approve of his choice. So he's, he asks Benedict, like, what do you think of her? And then Benedict screams long and loud that women are too much trouble and that he will die a bachelor. <laughs> and Claudio is making a mistake for wanting to get married. And then Don Pedro, Denzel Washington, comes in, and he's like, I approve of her. And then he turns to Benedict, Kenneth Branagh, and he's like, this tough talk, man, but I will see you fall in love before I die. And Benedict's like, fat chance, bucko. Um, (laughs) Never, never will fall in love. And so then Don Pedro sends Benedict away because he keeps protesting. I will not fall in love. No woman will take me down. And he just wants him to stop talking. So Don Pedro sends him away on some sort of errand of give someone a message about dinner or whatever. And um, then he turns and talks to Claudio about his love for Hero. And he says that he'll talk Claudio up at dinner and give his blessing. And then at the party, which is a mask costume party, he'll pretend in mask, ask for her hand and woo her and confess her, his love to her so eloquently that she'll have no choice but to fall in love with Claudio. And then his dad will allow her to marry because of the Don's blessing. So I kind of got lost in that plan. Was it that he wanted to like overwhelm Hero? Or was he just like a wingman of sorts? It was a little bit of both okay. that he was doing. Like he was pretending to be Claudio and wooing her on his behalf. Oh. But also he knew that being the prince... He, no one would say no to him once they saw that he was like pro this plan happening. Mm, okay. So he, he was, he, it was a little bit of both. He was pretending to be Claudio at one point, but also he knew that the dad would say yes if the prince was like, she's going to marry this guy. Right. Yeah. Right. And she was pretty much on board for this plan also. Well, we could <laughs> so, tell, like I yeah. said, we could tell from the very <laughs> beginning, she was on board for whatever plan involved Claudio. Yeah. Yeah. So then we cut to Don John, Keanu Reeves, moping more while he's getting a very <laughs> sensual back massage by a fire while wearing leather plant- pants. He is very oiled up. He's like reflecting in the firelight, mm-hmm. his skin, because he's so oiled up. Um, I mean, it's not the, the massage itself isn't necessarily sensual, but the, the <laughs> surroundings are very sensual. Yeah, um, it's very and he's warm. angry being the Duke's bastard brother. He is not able to get his money or his title or any of the respect that he's due 
And so his goal is to generally cause chaos and unhappiness because he's unhappy, so everyone else should be too. So he's very, very resentful about all of the celebration and love that's happening, and he is looking for a way to spoil all the general happiness. This is like my least favorite kind of character. That's yeah. th- there's <laughs> there's no like real basis for you to be an asshole. It's just kind of like mopey pouty. And mm-hmm. it kind of bothers me because I, I don't I don't know how realistic that is. I, I get it's for the story, but sometimes I just wish they would find something a little bit more tangible for people to be pissed about if they want to like be. I don't know. Relation. I I I think the other th- way. I think that this is the most realistic kind of villain. I've met people who are like, "Fuck all of you who are happy. I'm gonna fuck shit up so you're unhappy too because I am. So no one gets to be happy. I've known people like that. Yeah, oh, that's a bummer in real life. Mis- and I feel like company. this is just this is just a heightened version of those people at work who are like, "I hate being here, so I'm gonna make everyone else hate being here." Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So what he's doing when he decides is that this this opportunity with Claudio and Hero and whatever is a good opportunity to sort of do some deception. And I believe we have part of his monologue in this whole I'm unhappy. I'm going to find ways to make other people unhappy. Do a deception speech. <laughs> we do. This is him talking to the masseuse or the whatever you want to call this person. You have of late stood out against your brother, and he has taken you newly into his grace. But it is impossible you should take true root, but by the fair weather that you make yourself. I had rather be a canker in a hedge than a rose in his grace. In this, though I cannot be said to be a flattering, honest man, it must not be denied, but I am a plain dealing villain. If I had my mouth, I would bite. If I had my liberty, I would do my liking. In the meantime, let me be that I am, and seek not to alter me. There it is. Hmm. Ominous. Seek not to alter me. I'm a bastard, and I'm not going to change for anyone. <laughs> Jerk. And so this turns into plotting with the soldiers, uh, Baracchio and Conrad. And that sort of pans out more the... They're just like, hey, we're going to deceive him. He's in love. We're going to use that against him some way. They don't really go too much into the plan. That sort of develops as they see what's unfolding around them. But we see him already plotting with his soldiers to make people unhappy. So just real quick, like these guys were in war together, right? Yes. It's just All like, of them were in war together. I can't get past that. Like, you know, brotherhood of arms here. And, and you're going to like cause an issue over uh, uh, Mm -hmm. over his happiness it's not even it's not even like a jealousy i guess it is a little bit of jealousy but it's not jealousy specific to like hero right it's just kind of well it, it comes out later in the story that part of the reason why he's so against claudio specifically in this whole i hate everybody because i'm not gonna ever get my own stuff he specifically hates claudio because of the amount of favor that the prince has for Claudio. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm related to the guy. He should like me most, and he doesn't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so he's jealous of Claudio and the attention he gets from the prince. Got it. We don't haven't heard that yet the, thus far in the dialogue or the story, but that's why he's part of the reason why he's specifically focusing on ruining Claudio's happiness. But he does in that montage and later on 
like various parts throughout the dialogue that he has, he pretty much just says, I don't want people to be happy. <laughs> it, it, like, it doesn't necessarily say Claudio at the beginning. It's just Claudio is, he's jealous of, so he gets the most of the attention. Right. So then it's that night and the celebratory dinner to welcome everybody back, the masked party with dancing and revelry. And Beatrice talks the same kind of smack on men that Benedict did about women. And everyone's like, no one's ever going to love you if you're that sassy. And she's like, when the devil shows up and tells me that I'm not going to hell, I need to get to heaven because that's where St. Peter will show me the bachelors. And that's when I'll finally <laughs> settle down with somebody when I'm dead. So um, good. Yeah. Such a good line. Yeah, it is. That was funny. So there's a bunch of joking around. Beatrice is also not necessarily a confirmed bachelor, but everyone's like, you're going to die an old maid. And she's like, whatever, that's fine. Um, <laughs> No, no man is, is the right man for me. And then, so that, that conversation happens. And then the father turns to Kate Beckinsale and he says, Hero, if the prince, Denzel Washington, asks you to marry him, you have to say yes. And she's like, yes, I know. That's my daughterly duty. Even though everyone at this point is very well aware that she fancies Claudia. So th then there's more dancing and drinking and sexy times. People are groping. Um, having a lot of fun. And Benedict uses his disguise to troll Beatrice. And then she ends up trolling him right back without even knowing that it's him in the mask by <laughs> talking shit on Benedict to his face without knowing that it's to his face. <laughs> I like that scene a lot. He had that silly accent, like the French, like kind of a French. Accent. It was so, yeah. I was like, what? This is not believable. I mean, it was really funny, but yeah. not believable. <laughs> no. So then we cut to Denzel, Don Pedro, proposing to Hero on behalf of Claudio. We see Claudio seeing it from a distance. And while he's watching Don Pedro down on one knee, Keanu Reeves and his two little soldier hench guys come up behind him and whisper that the girl is unfaithful and Denzel is wooing for himself, not on Claudio's behalf like he promised. But then there's like a bunch of conversation, party, whatever, and Claudio gets his all up in arms. But then Denzel is like, nope, I was wooing her on behalf of you the whole time, dude. And everyone has approved of the marriage, and everyone's on board, and Claudio's stoked. So, Claudio and Hero are engaged. And as they are sort of preparing for the wedding, it has to be at least a week, because that's how long they need for propriety, but also to get everything ready or whatever. So, they're preparing for the wedding, they decide, with the help of Don Pedro, that they need to trick Benedict and Beatrice into confessing their true love for each other. <laughs> They're going to make these two fall in love, and they all get together. All the guys get together in a courtyard, like we mentioned earlier, to have a very staged conversation loudly about how much Beatrice has said that she loves Benedict. She said it to Hero. They're like sisters. They're actually cousins, but they're like sisters. She confesses everything to Hero. She told Hero that she's sick with love for Benedict, and he's listening through the hedge. He's peeking. He's overhearing, and they're talking as loud as they can without actually shouting so that yeah. he hears every word. And the plan goes over without a hitch. He picks it up hook, line, and sinker and is immediately convinced that she loves him <laughs> madly and loves her back instantly. Uh, all, all he needed to admit it was someone else to admit it. I love, uh, I love that they had this like chair prop in this scene. Yes. Uh, not at all required, but so good. That, the chair, and then he did like a guffaw, and he turned mm -hmm. it into a bird call, and I died. <laughs> I laughed out loud. I love the, that bird call. The three of them are Perfect looking at each timing. other. 
Yeah, and they're like, what the? They're like basically like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And then they're like, oh, a bird. Okay, okay. We can keep up with the plan. <laughs> it's so good. Then we cut to Hero basically doing the exact same thing to Beatrice. And guess what? It also totally ha- works with Beatrice. Mm-hmm. Immediately, she's like, I had no idea this whole time, but now that I know, I love him too. And they love each other now, and it's great. And they're both happy, and Kenneth Branagh is dancing around in a fountain. And everything's great. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very well. It was one of the only times that I appreciated that um, kind of like that fading. Andrew, you might know the name, like show, the overlay of two different shots. Um, oh, yeah. It, just a little bit of transparency where she's on the swing and he's in the fountain and, and you're seeing them in different places at the same time. And it was it was just really well done for that effect. Absolutely. Yeah. Look great. So now it's time. Enter. The slimy and foolish warden Dogberry <laughs> with his idiot lieutenants who have all been chosen for the prince's guard. And this is Michael Keaton. And there's a whole who's on first sort of scene about who they should arrest and why and who is suspicious and why and, uh, you know, how to, how to protect the prince. And Michael Keaton thinks that he's super, super smart and technically adept at, like, subterfuge and spying and and crime and policing and um he's clearly an idiot and the guys that work for him are even bigger idiots and so they're talking about you know because the prince is here staying here for a month they're they're on the prince's guard when they're clearly normally like the local cops yeah i i had a uh, sorry i had a little bit of a flashback to like monty python with Mm-hmm. Uh, the co- oh yeah the coconut shells and like because you know in the movie they're pretending that they're on horseback and mm-hmm. uh it was <laughs> it was pretty hilarious mm-hmm. but anyway yeah we see that but then now trouble is coming in the form of don john who this is when we find out that he's jealous of his brother's power and we're jealous of his affection for claudio or his jealousy of claudio's happiness and his open love for hero And so he devises a scheme where one of his lieutenants is going to make love to her maid, Margaret, in the window, in Hero's room, and the the guy will call her by her name. So he's going to call her by Hero's name. Rude. So he's going to, basically, we're going to pretend that Margaret (laughs) is Hero so that anyone who's overhearing or looking in will think that Hero is getting laid. Pretty Mm -hmm. messed up. And they do this the night before the wedding. Don John takes Don Pedro and Claudio to Leonardo's house where they see the encounter and they are convinced the woman is Hero. And the next day, Claudio disgraces Hero publicly at the wedding. She's not a virgin anymore. She's duplicitous. She's cheating on him. She's whatever. She's been sullied. And so now he's publicly disgracing her at the wedding and refusing to marry her. She faints. And the wedding sort of disperses a little bit, the wedding party, and her dad is still there and very upset. And he hits her, and he tells her that she should be dead. And why did he do this to him? Why did she do this to him? And all that sort of stuff. And they, everyone is like, hey, Leonardo, calm down. <laughs> yeah. They persuade him to pretend that she is dead until the situation is short- sorted out. Because literally everyone but Claudio and the dad is like, um, this is very out of character. Uh, something is afoot. She didn't cheat on him. The dad immediately is like, get out of here, slut. And Claudio is immediately like, get out of here, slut. But everyone else is like, hang on a minute. Yeah. Take a beat. 
take a beat. <laughs> like, this it's is, so crazy. This is where the fear set in for me. Uh, yes. I had this, like, flashback to... Uh, if I said flashback twice in, in this podcast, I had this uh, thought back to <laughs> Romeo and Juliet that is like, oh, they're going to pretend she's dead. And then he's going to think she's actually dead and he's going to drink poison and that's it. And I was oh, like no. very afraid that that was the road it was going to go down. It is not. Oh, and I was so happy that it didn't go that <laughs> way. <laughs> so what they say is she fainted at the wedding. She fell down. Tell everyone that she's dead, that she died of a broken heart because she was so slandered. And mm. hopefully hearing that she's dead will make Claudio feel sorry for her. Uh, or feel sorry that he was so petty and mean that she died from his meanness. And maybe it'll soften up his feelings for her while they figure out exactly what happened and why they have all of these accusations and how this happened. Yeah. So then Beatrice and Benedict are in the same place together. And they confess their love for one another. But Beatrice wants revenge on her cousin's disgrace. And she tells Benedict that she would kill Claudio for accusing Hero and ruining her in front of everyone. But she can't because she's a woman. She needs a man. And... She can't kiss Benedict until he goes and avenges Hero's honor, essentially. And he says that he can't. And she's like, well, you have to. And then Dogberry, Michael Keaton, manages to luck into arresting John, Don John's lieutenants <laughs> and getting them to confess to the plot. Mm-hmm. Drunkenly announcing what happens, right? <laughs> Drunkenly announcing what happens. And then they feel bad because they didn't mean to kill a woman with all of this debacle yeah um so basically they're like we never meant for that to happen i just had sex with a hoe in in a window uh i didn't mean for anyone to die (laughs) oh shakespeare Uh, you're the best (laughs) so claudio is crushed when he learns that he killed hero with his false accusations he begs leonardo to punish him and make it right and leonardo tells him that his punishment is to marry his other niece, who we've never seen, who closely resembles Hero and is the only heir to both him and his brother's estates and names and whatever. And mm-hmm. Claudio agrees. That's, that's his penance, is to marry a woman he doesn't know. Uh, but first, he has to spend a night in mourning for Hero and proclaiming her innocence to the world. Yeah. So he goes to the grave with a processional, with like chanting and torches, and puts an epitaph on her grave about dying because of slander, and it's all very dramatic. So, real quick here, would you, would you guys be able to watch your own funeral? <laughs> That'd be super cool, man. See who yeah, showed no, no. up. I felt like at the end of that scene, they they kind of showed her like watching. There were these two people that like snuck out from a corner in black robes, who clearly weren't like holding fire or you know chanting or whatever and it, it seemed like they were suddenly trying to say that she was there like seeing how much he cared and it got me thinking like could could you do that if if your if your death had been faked could would you attend your own funeral just to see like who gave a shit and like what was said <laughs> i mean i don't if i knew that it was going to be happening i don't know that i could stop myself whether i wanted to or not or whether i would handle it well or not i don't know but if that opportunity arose and i knew people were going to be saying things about me thinking i was dead i don't think i could not not be there <laughs> right that's <laughs> yeah. so true <laughs> someone bring a camera or just a recording device of some kind i'm just curious i'm just curious i'll be back in like three days i'll be back yeah but i actually think that those robed figures that you're talking about are don john escaping medina in the night 
Oh, I think oh, that's that, what they I said, think that yeah. was yeah, because he he runs away, he escapes, and mm. is gone. And I think that that's them using the processional to slip away when people are occupied with other stuff. Super subtle. I like it. It's all there. Mm-hmm. So it's the next morning. Benedict is trying to write a poem for Beatrice, and then she comes in, <laughs> and they bicker again. But this time they bicker about loving one another instead of bickering about hating one another. And Benedict asks for permission to marry Beatrice. And they're like, okay, but first we've got to marry Claudio to this niece. And then, so they get married, and then she removes her veil to reveal that she is Hero. Mm-hmm. And she didn't die. And as long as her slander lived, she was dead. But as soon as her slander died, she was alive. Mm-hmm. And now they can be in love and married. Uh, and everybody is very happy. But Benedict and Beatrice almost break up when they discover that they were tricked into admitting their love to one another. That was great. <laughs> They're like, oh, wait, no, I never loved you at all. And then, however, there's a love letter that Beatrice has and the poem that Benedict has and their proof of them really loving one another. They're like, you wrote it down in your own words. You're busted. Exactly. Yeah. Evan gets it. I think the line, it was really good. I think, again, I might ruin Shakespeare here. I think he said, our hands betray our hearts. And I was like, oh, that's really good. I enjoyed that. It was good. Yeah. And so, so they like have swapped papers and Beatrice reads Benedict and Benedict reads Beatrice and they're both like, oh, that's so nice. And then <laughs> it's proof of them really loving one another. And then they bicker until they kiss and agree to get married. And then they find out that Don John was arrested and brought back to face punishment. But they're all like, well, we'll deal with this guy tomorrow. Yeah. Today is about being chill and happy now that everyone's alive and no one's slandered and no one's a hoe and everyone's getting married. Yeah, screw that and, guy. Yeah. And so Benedict Beatrice marry and they all dance around Leonardo's garden singing Hey Nani Nani, which is what they opened the movie with. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. poetry reading that Emma Thompson was doing was hey, the words to Hey Nani Nani and now they're singing it and they party in one long continuous shot, as Andrew mentioned, all throughout the grounds, and there's like flower petals falling, and and the movie is over. Yeah, perfect, perfect way to end it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the crazy crane shot at the very end that Andrew talked about, where yep, yeah, I bet they really wanted a drone. <laughs> they didn't even know what the hell a drone was. They sure didn't. <laughs> They're like, we need a helicopter, but we can't because we're literally over a French. <laughs> chateau or some and shit a lot of people like yeah. clearly on location yeah um, but i will say i oh, was, was great impressed costume wise with the with the continuity of um you know sometimes you watch these older movies set back then and they they'll, they'll tend to like overdo costuming but i thought they did a really good job of of getting across that you wouldn't have had that many outfits you wouldn't have had anything like crazy fancy even for a wedding um, mm-hmm. A lot of the outfits repeated, especially the soldiers. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool little detail that they focused in on. I was kind of impressed by that. Yeah, totally. All right. And that's that's it. That takes way less time to describe than most other movies because 90% of Shakespeare's people talking to one another. Yeah. So I cut out like 20 minutes of action <laughs> just by talking about Benetri- Beatrice and Benedict bickering because they do yeah. it for like 20 minutes <laughs> and honestly unless you're literally reciting shakespeare you can't really like go into why it's funny or whatever you have to literally like say the lines and so we're not going to do that so that's the story <laughs> of much ado about nothing it was real good uh speaking of which i guess uh do we ultimately recommend this film yep 
Yep. That's a yes for me, dog. All three of us. <laughs> yep. Perfect. <laughs> and here comes the here comes the the more interesting part for me. Where does this fall in your ranking? Um, I'm going number two, right below Point Break. <gasps> I'm going number two, also right below Bill and Ted. So um, out ranking. Yeah, for me, because this one has been a long-standing favorite. Uh, I am I'm ranking it higher than Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but I actually think Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure will be exactly the si- same kind of movie for me that Much Ado is, which is just like when you're sick and you want something that you don't really have to think about that's comforting um, yeah. and something that's a little bit on the, the happier side or the cheerier side. I think Bill yeah. and Ted is going to be exactly like that for me, but I've liked Much Ado about nothing for so long that I'm putting it on in number one over Bill and Ted. But I think they're pretty, pretty close to tied for number one for me. Hmm. Look at us. Way up there. All of us. <laughs> yeah. I'm just realizing, Whitney, that you have point break at five. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she hated that movie, Evan. No, <laughs> no, that's not true. Like, have... I definitely did not hate that no, movie. I was, I was, <laughs> we have been planning, and I'm really excited now. These reckonings. Yes, they're, they're the coming. reckonings. So we're going to... How the sausage is made, we have uh, split this show into seasons... And the seasons are really only logical breakpoints like every 10 years, but they also give us a chance to do a reckoning <laughs> every season because my list is all jacked up. After the first three, really, I'm not sure what the hell I was doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel confident about the top three, and then I'm like, what, what was I doing? So, yeah, the reckonings are coming. We are going to reevaluate every decision we have made up until this point. Right, and then we could do that every season, and it'll be great. It'll get increasingly more difficult, but it I, will. Think, I think we'll fall into a pattern where we get closer as we watch more. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. I think so, too. So, let's talk next week. Mm-hmm. Next week, I am leading the discussion of a movie called Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. And it seems my my albatross here is that I will be talking about the Gus Van Sant movies that Keanu does. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big reunion. So it's Gus directing and, and writing this movie again. Uma Thurman, who he co-starred alongside in Dangerous Liaisons. And Crispin Glover is in this movie. So... It's kind of a cool, like, melting pot of, of Keanu. He's, we've been planting these seeds for a decade now, <laughs> and all of these kind of interesting characters are coming back into his life. It's worth noting, uh, Rain Phoenix is also in this movie, which covers three of the five Phoenixes, I think. So, yeah, <laughs> he's basically covering the whole family. The real question is, have any of us seen this movie or even heard of it? I don't believe so. No, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Okay. I have not seen it either. I have no idea what to expect here. Neither do I. And I'm going to try and go into it without even seeing the little like words that pop up when you go to play the movie. Because I feel like this is the first one. Well, not tune in tomorrow. I had no idea about. But like, I think this is one of those. All of them I had some idea of what was happening. Or what yeah. was going to happen or knew something about it. I am so in the dark with this one that I am going to try and keep it that way so I can watch it with totally fresh eyes. Nice. So yeah, we have we have kind of an idea of what Gus is all about. I think Whitney yes. summed it up pretty well when we were talking about uh, Private Idaho. 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if he kind of stays on that kind of underdog, downtrodden uh, theme, generally, mm-hmm. of his of, of the characters that he likes to explore. Uh, I know that Uma Thurman is like the lead of this, and then Keanu Reeves is second build. So we'll get to see them kind of interact. I don't know what their relationship or dynamic is, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. So, man. I really like this movie. So I'm so okay. happy. <laughs> do, do we have anything else we wanted to mention or talk about? I, I think we we crushed this episode. It was great. Feel yeah. good about this. Yeah. Um, I said everything I want to say. Yeah. Also. All right. Perfect. So with all that, you can find our website at coolbreezepod.com and access all of our episodes, the list of films we'll be reviewing, and much, much more. You can also reach out to us by emailing coolbreezepod at gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. If you think this is a podcast you can get behind, please give us a subscription on your preferred platform and a review would be wonderful, like our most recent review, <laughs> which really, really made me laugh and feel mm-hmm. good about mm-hmm. what we're doing here today. If you mm-hmm. want, go read that review by, uh, was it Beth, Beth. I believe? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Beth. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good one. It's, it's, it's a heck of a review. It touches on all the major things you would want to hear about Keanu, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and us, which is awesome. So we'll be back next week. But until then, Whitney, where can we keep up with your exploits on the internet? Yes, it is uh, at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. And there you can find Almost Better Than Silence, which is uh, my video game podcast. I'll retweet from there. Um and that's, you know, we already mentioned that because of the crossover between my video games and my Keanu. That yeah. I have two games now that I can talk about on both. <laughs> um, yes. Historical Hotties is my podcast where we talk about different categories of historical figure and try and figure out which one is the hottest. Um, and definitely check that one out. And we have um, Myth Takes, which is a real play RPG podcast where I play a character called Annabelle who has been described as Veronica Mars meets the lone gunman. And then uh, at some point follow at Fast Furious Pod because we are going to be releasing my Fast and Furious stunt podcast at some point in the near future. So uh, keep, stay tuned for that. But I also retweet everything that I'm in on my Twitter account. So that's the best hub of, of places to find me if you can't remember those names later on. At Whitney underscore Nelson. Perfect. The hotly anticipated Fast and Furious podcast. <laughs> I can't wait. Insta- I'm already subscribed, actually. So there you go. Well, on Twitter, <laughs> at least. So, Ev. Yeah. Where on the internet are you? I am at Evan Acree, uh, A-C-R-E-E. Uh, it is a family name for those that are interested. comes from <laughs> the maiden name of, I think, my great-great-grandmother, um, as you might expect, it means plowed field in some language. <laughs> so that's a fun fact. Anyway, um, just as I expected at Evan Acree, uh, on Instagram and on the Twitter and on other various, um, internet based applications. So have a look, see. On back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Evan's a he's you should follow him. Give him a follow. Nah. Do it. You already follow Whitney. I know it. If you're listening to this, you already follow Whitney. Give Evan a follow. It's good. 
you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dark Driving. Uh, also on YouTube. I've been doing some stuff over there that you might want to check out if you're into it. And then finally, uh, if you go to my website, which is just my name, you can find it through my Twitter and all that stuff. I have a newsletter called Coffee and Cameras, where I am slowly spinning back up all these cool projects and interesting gear that I uh, encounter on a fairly regular basis, if you're into either of those types of things. So, with all that, thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. Party on, dudes.